this is what I'm like. This is what it means to be holy. And of course, what they did is they didn't like that. They ran away from that and they rebelled against it. And so we talked about that the first week. We began to show last week a video series which we showed four years ago called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And the reason I've chosen to show it and to show it at this time is although the subject matter is tithing, and I'll mention that again in a minute, the subject matter is tithing. There are a lot of teachings I've heard and done on tithing, but what makes this teaching so special is his whole focus is on what we're talking about this month, God's place in your heart. And what he teaches in this, which is right out of the Bible, is that the reason tithing is such an important issue to God is because tithing reveals where your heart is towards God. And as he brought out so well last week, God knows, whether we like to face it or not, that there's a direct connection between what we do with our finances and what place God has in our heart. We can think God's first, but what you do with what God's entrusted to you proves what place God has in your life. And we're not showing this, and he doesn't share this because God's angry at us. He's a loving father who wants to make the adjustments and bring them right. And the one we're going to look at this morning is about the principle of firsts that God demands to be first and why. We'll talk about that about that at the end. So the whole focus of this series, the reason we're doing this is to, make, to, to help the Spirit of God adjust the priorities in our heart. In some of our cases, we've had the right priority, but through life and things that the devil throws at us, we just, there are a lot of things competing for that place in your heart. Some of us have never heard this before, and we need to understand this so that we can make that adjustment with the help of the Holy Spirit. I also want to share with you, which I shared last time, that, that we're not showing this to get your money. Okay, the church is doing very well. We've come through this pandemic and other... We've got, in 43 years of history, there are many things that have hit this church, but the finances have always been strong. Back under Pastor Sam, there was an issue that happened and like a third of the people just walked out one Sunday. They just got mad about something and walked out because somebody gave them some misinformation. The finances never changed. Why? Because this church has always tithe and more than tithe. We give to over 30, you give through this church to over 36 missionaries faithfully every month. And we've had many missionaries testify that the one church they, check they know is going to faithfully come in is the check from Faith Christian Center. And it's your giving that's done that. But it's this church's faithfulness to do that. Pastor Sam started that from the beginning. That's why this church has always been strong financially. This church owes nothing. The, everything we have that you see is debt-free in this church. Why? Because this church is tied. I'm sharing that with you to tell you we're not showing this to get you to give. We're showing this because through this series, you give God an opportunity to touch your heart and to talk, and to, talk to your heart. And so that's, that's why we're doing this. So I just want to make sure I've covered everything. Now, you'll see this morning that when we first did this four years ago, there's seven, there seven messages in this series. But because there's some other things I want to get into this year, uh, I've reduced it down to four. So you'll see he makes reference to, uh, in this teaching, uh, uh, t- uh, a message that, that we're not, we may not give. I, at this point, we're not planning to give. Okay, so uh, this is for you. So we're going to begin to show the message now, and, uh, and I'll come up and make some some comments at the end. So just relax. Let this sink into your heart and you can begin to let the the message go. Well, I want to say welcome to all the campuses and I want to say welcome to the churches that are joining us by simulcast. We've welcomed every weekend uh, gateway, but I'd like to just welcome them again. Can you welcome uh, 38 churches that are joining us by simulcast right now? But we're very grateful that you're here. And I want you to turn your Bibles to one passage of Scripture. We'll go through some others, but we'll just look at one, Exodus 13. We'll just go to one, uh, Exodus chapter 13. And uh, as you're getting to Exodus 13, let me just say this. 
This is, in my opinion, the most important message in the series. We're in the series called The Blessed Life, and this is probably the most important message in the series. The title of this message is The Principle of First. The Principle of First. And I want to make this statement. If God is first in your life, then everything will come into order. I'm not saying you won't have difficulties or problems or go through struggles. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. But would you rather go through tribulation with everything in order (laughs) or everything out of order? And hear me, if Jesus is first, if God's first, everything will come into order in your life. If he is not first, then nothing will come into order in your life. God has to be first for there to be order in your life. So I want to show you this principle because this principle is a principle that runs all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Here, so let's start Exodus chapter 13. Look at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. It is mine. It belongs to me. I wish that I could adequately explain to you how emphatic the language is in the Hebrew here, this phrase, it is mine. It is my property. It belongs to me. I'm the owner. It's extremely emphatic. It's very important to understand that when we talk about the principle of first. The firstborn, he says, belongs to me. Okay, now look at verse 12. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Very similar language in the Hebrew, shall belong to God. They'll be the Lord's. But every firstborn, now we'll talk about this, of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Very important. A donkey will be redeemed with a lamb. Now watch this phrase. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. It's very important to understand that if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. And I want you to apply that as we talk about the first of our finances, the first 10%. He says, if you don't don't bring it to me, you're going to lose it. You're still going to lose it. It's going out of your account. Watch this. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. All right, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, that's a longer point than I normally have, so we'll make sure and leave it up long enough for you to be able to to write it down. The firstborn must be. There there, there is... I I, I prayed over this language before, uh, whether I should say it this way. But according to Scripture, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's the principle here in the Old Testament that is referring to a principle that goes all through the Bible. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, but how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives two animals which are exemplary of categories of animals. He, he, he gives us the donkey and the lamb, okay? The donkey represents unclean animals, and the lamb represents clean animals. So how do you know which to do? Well, if it's a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed, the firstborn. If it's an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Let me say that one more time. If it's clean firstborn. I'm hoping you kind of get ahead of me on this and understand what this represents. If it's a clean and it's firstborn, it has to be sacrificed. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Okay. Well, how in the world does this relate to us today? Well, let me ask you two, two questions. All right. First of all, were you and I spiritually born clean or unclean. In other words, when we were born in the natural, our spiritual state before God, were we born into this world, were we clean or unclean? Unclean. We were all born in sin, right? I can prove it by simply asking the experts here, the parents, 
did you have to teach your children to be bad? (laughs) Or did that come naturally for them? See, we have to teach them to be good. Is that right? Because we're all born with a sin nature. That's, That's what the Bible says, all right? So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Okay, listen to me. Listen very carefully. The clean, Jesus, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. (laughs) That's how important this principle is. And we're going to see that this principle refers to tithing, but I want to say something to you that maybe you've never thought of. Jesus is God's tithe. Because you see, you give the tithe first. You don't pay your bills and see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first. It's the first 10%. It's not just 10%. It's the first 10% because it takes faith to give the first. See, God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. It takes faith to give the first one before you have any more. You don't know if the sheep's going to produce anymore. That takes faith. God didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. No, he said, you give me the first one before you have any others. See, so many people think it's not the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's the faith that enacts the blessing. It's giving the first 10%. And the reason I say that Jesus is God's tithe is because God gave Jesus first. He didn't wait to see if we would clean up or straighten up to give his son. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. Romans says it this way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans also said this way, that God gave Jesus in hope, in hope. And that word, the root of that word is faith. In faith, we give our tithe in faith. So it's the first 10%. Think about this. When the children of Israel went into the the, uh, promised land, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of God. It's always into the house of God. That's always where the tithe goes. But why didn't he say 10% of Jericho? It's very simple. Because Jericho was the first city. That's simple. He said, bring the first into the house of the Lord and the rest are redeemed. They're out from under the curse. They're blessed. See, the first portion has the redemptive, is the redemptive portion. The Please hear me. When you give the first to God, the rest are redeemed. That's what this is saying. So hear me clearly. Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. The first portion, first 10% goes to God. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. Again, I want to just key in on these words, must be. According to this principle that works all through Scripture, the first fruits must be offered. You can stay there in Exodus 13. Look at Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase bonuses, everything. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay. This says to honor the Lord with the first of our increase. I just want to just make a note here. This is in Proverbs. This is not the law. This is not under the law. This is hundreds of years after the law. This is a principle that runs all through scripture. Let me show you another scripture. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits. I kind of like that phrase because it's like God is saying, listen closely if you don't know what first means. (laughs) The first of your first fruits, of the first fruits of your land. Now watch these words. You shall bring, that's an important word, bring into the house 
of the Lord your God. Now, we, we saw last weekend about Malachi, he said, bring the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe always comes to the, to the church. You, don't, you can't divide your tithe. You can't designate your tithe. You can't give it somewhere else. But I want you to notice the word bring. The reason God uses the word bring instead of the word give when he talks about tithing is because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You have two choices according to Scripture. And I know this is strong, but I've studied this for over 30 years now. You have two choices when it comes to the tithe according to Scripture. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are the only two choices. There's no other choice according to Scripture. They either brought it or they stole it. Remember when God said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho? That Achan kept some. And of course, the next city, then they lost the battle until they brought it to the house of God. But here was the point. In in Joshua chapter 6, God calls the tithe consecrated or set apart. Same thing he called the firstborn. But in Joshua 7, once Achan took it, he said, Israel has stolen from me and they're cursed. They're cursed. It's consecrated when you bring it to the house of God. It's cursed if you leave it in your bank account. Here's a real simple, straightforward question. Why would you want something cursed in your bank account? I mean, it has enough problems. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want your bank account blessed? See, it takes faith to give the first. It takes faith to believe that 90% redeemed and blessed will go farther than 100% cursed. It takes faith. So you give the first. Um, uh, When I was in college, one of the uh, students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor said, you know, I really don't know. And for some reason, I've always remembered that. But when the Lord showed me this principle of firstborn and firstfruits, it's you actually will see why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's. Watch Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it specifically does not say that he brought first fruits. He just brought an offering in the process of time. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected, or this word could be received, Abel and his offering. Notice the persons received too, not just the offering. But he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. It's, it's simple, isn't it? Cain was a farmer. He didn't bring first fruits. Abel was a rancher. He brought firstborn. God said, I'll accept that. I will not accept that. Then accept it. Now, I'm going to take you a little farther in this, and that is that it's not just that God wouldn't accept it. It's that God couldn't accept it. There are some things God can't do. God can't act outside of himself. He can't act outside of his character. One of the greatest studies you could ever do would be the attributes of God, to know who God really is. Okay, so let me, let me tell you a, a few things that God can't do. Uh, number one, God can't change. He can't change. This is called the immutability. This would be the doctrinal theological word, the immutability of God. It's impossible for God to change. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better, and God can't get better because he's perfect. So God can't change. Uh, The second thing God can't do, I'll just give give you some examples, is that God can't think the way we think. Now, I'll clarify that because we know the Bible talks about the thoughts of God, but that actually proves this theology. God can't think the way we think. Let me just, just uh, help us with this. Um, we, the reason God can't think the way we think is because this is, here's the theological word, omniscient. Omniscience, the omniscience of God. Break it down, it's two words, omni-science. Science means knowledge, omni means all. God has all knowledge. So the reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. Let let me say it another way when we're talking about God's thoughts. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, 
You know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that. You know why? Because he knows everything at the same time. Hey, I have a, a new little thought on this. Uh, when we talk about that God, nothing's ever occurred to God, let me, let me say it another way. God has never heard something and said, oh, my self. I mean, he wouldn't say, oh, my God. He'd say, oh, my. Okay, all right, so. So God, God can't think the way we think. Now, when I said God can't think, you might have remembered a scripture and thought, wait, there's a scripture that talks about, uh-huh, that proves this. Here's what the scripture says in Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. As the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. That's what he's saying. Okay, so there's some things God can't do. Let me tell you how this relates to this. God can't be second. He can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. You know, you've heard of eminence, but God is preeminent. That means he's not only first of all, he's before all. He's higher than all. He's above all. He's first. He's before all. So God is first. Now, we, we, in our lives, we talk about putting God first, and that's good because we do need to put God first in our lives. But I just want you to know something. Even if God's not first in your life, he's still first. You didn't rearrange his order in the universe. He's still preeminent. So God can never be second. So this is why I'm telling you, the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering is because God's always first, and Cain did not bring a first offering. And God said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't accept a second place offering because I'm always in first place. I can't accept it. Now, we need to think about that when it comes to the tithe. You remember uh, I said Jesus is God's tithe? And I said to you last weekend, because we talked about giving to, to the bride of Christ, and I said that tithing is probably more personal to Jesus than what we think. Okay, I want you to think about this. If Jesus is God's tithe, tithing might be a little more personal to the Father also than what we think. See, it represents who's first in your life. You, you can, and I'm, again, I know these, some of the things I'm saying are strong, but you can tell me all day God's first in your life. But let me see your bank account. And I'll tell you who's first. It might be Nordstrom's. Okay, ladies, let me hit the guys. It might be Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> Where does the first 10% go? That's who's first. All right, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruits must be offered. Here's point three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30 says, and all, I want you to notice the word all, and all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. There's the emphatic phrase again, belongs to God. It is, it, God set it apart for himself. And that's what the next phrase says, it is holy that word holy is the word that simply means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. That's why it's stealing, because he set it apart to himself. And that's why it has to be first, because God's first and he owns it. So in, order, in other words, if we're going to return it, we have to return it first. Okay, so I'm going I'm to give you an illustration, um, and it's a math illustration. Okay, so I'm warning you, so half of you can take a nap, all right? Um, <laughs> I understand that. You're, you're strong in other subjects, math and English. I'm strong in those subjects. Uh, you know, I, I like gr grammar, you know, and uh, someone who watches our television program sent me a, a thing that said, I am a little sign for me to hang up my house that said, I am silently correcting your grammar right now. <laughs> and I said to Debbie, I said, look at this. Do you like this? She said, yeah, except uh, you don't do it silently. So I like math and English. My father is actually a mathematical genius. And that's no exaggeration. He's a genius when it comes to that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying. If you, if you name some numbers, they're going to add up, and I'm, I'm not going to try to do it. It's just going to happen. That's the way I think. Um, we, we were, Debbie and I were buying something a while back, and it was $7.99. And the lady said, uh, I'll have to add the tax on the uh, calculator because the cash register's broken. 
And I said, it's 66 cents, like that. And she said, excuse me? I said, 66 cents. She looked at a minute, and then she did this. She said, uh, it's 66 cents. <laughs> I won't say, yes, I know that. But I did. I said, okay, so paid for it. We got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? How, how do you do that that fast? Now, I thought she was actually asking me how I did it. I found out later she couldn't care less how I did that. She was just, you know, paying me a compliment as a, a wife honoring her husband. But she asked, how do you do that? So I said, well, sugar, uh, 7.99 is close to 8. Our tax rate is 8.25. 8 times 8 is 64. Quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. Then she said, but I know what 25% off is. <laughs> so again, now being the man, you know, I, I'm thinking she's talking math. I did not realize until after the whole conversation she was not talking math. But I said to her, okay, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, I said, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. I said, what? She said, yeah, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So it's free. It's 50% off, it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. Which explains some difficulties we've had over the years with our checkbook. I saved us money today. You ever heard that one? <laughs> well, how come we lost? Okay, so, um, so I'm going to give you a math illustration, and so half of you can check out, all right, just for a moment. It's not a, a tough one either, right? Let's say that you're a landscaper, and you uh, come to our home, and Pastor Albert, um, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I call you, and I say, listen, uh, I'd like to add some trees and some plants and some Okay, let me make this uh, illustration realistic. Debbie would like to add some plants and some trees and some flowers and things, you know. And so you give me an estimate. And you say, now, this is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. And my profit will be $1,000. You need to know you, the tithe is on the profit. It's not on all of this. It's on the increase, your personal increase, personal income. That's what we tithe on, okay? So... Um, so you say, are you agreeable to this whole price? I say, yes, I am. So after you do the job, I pay for all your materials, all your labors. And then for your profit, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have $1,000 in your hand, okay? So this is the math part, right? So you have $1,000. Let me ask you two questions, all right? $1,000, the word tithe, remember, means 10%. So how much is the tithe? $100, all right? I know some of you still okay, carry those. Okay, but that's all right. That's okay. All right, so it's $100. That's right. But you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. So which one is the tithe? The first one. Yeah, okay. The one on top, someone said. All right, let me say it to you a different way, all right? It's the first one that leaves your hand. That's the tithe. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for utilities, some for clothes, and here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. Because here's what a lot of people do. Okay, let me set aside some for this and this and this. And oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Can I say something nicely to you but firmly? He wouldn't accept it anyway. Because our God does not accept leftovers. Matter of fact, he says it in Malachi. He says, you bring me the blind and the, and the lame animals and I do not accept them. I accept the first. That's all I accept. Okay. So how, how does this work out in my own life? I get paid on the 15th and 30th and, uh, or the last day of the month, 30th or 31st. And it's directly deposited. So it's like it magically appears, you know, in my account. So what I do on the 15th and the last day of the month is while I'm having my quiet time in the morning, before I do anything else, I go online, and, and that's the way now. I think it's just easiest to give online. I go online, and I uh, send the tithe to Gateway Church. And for us, many of you know, it's a double tithe. 
It's been since 1985. God spoke just to do 20% to the local church and then give over and above that. So for us, it goes to, and what we do, by the way, is to let you know 10% is the tithe. We give 10% extra to heart for the kingdom every year. So that's how we can kind of estimate it when we come to that part of the, of the year, which will be in, in a few months, we'll come to that part where we all get to make a commitment over and above our tithe. So we, I send that on the 15th and the 30th, okay? So what happens though, if I, I, I have an early morning meeting and um, I kind of rush out, I don't have my quiet time that day, and I get home that night and I think, oh, it's the 15th, I, I forgot to do the tithe. And I go in and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, what I do, I don't say, oh, it's great sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> great. I mean, you gave the tithe to Kroger's and so we're cursed now. No, because I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic either. I'm not trying to give you a legalistic principle today. I'm trying to give you a principle that's about your heart. Where's your heart? God knows my heart. He knows your heart. Where's your heart? So the first 10% goes to the house of God. Now, Exodus 13, let me show you one more scripture and, and then we're finished. All right. We stopped a while ago at verse 13, so let's pick it up at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? Okay, in other words, he's saying one day your son's going to ask you, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. Okay, I want you to, let's just bring this up to modern day. Let's think about this. The son uh, goes away to college. He gets his degree. He comes back. His dad says, hey, one of the things I like you to do is take over the books. And so one day the son is sitting in there and he's got the books in front of him. Dad comes in from the field and the son says, uh, dad, um, uh, sit down, dad. Uh, you know, you asked me to, you know, take over the books and, uh, the business and all. And dad, I'm, 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 I've been going over the books and, um, dad, um, I want, I want to talk to you about something, man. Um, you might not even know you do this, you know, dad. Uh, we all have blind spots, you know, so not accusing you, just, just talking numbers now. Um, but dad, um, every time uh, one of our animals has a, a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. <laughs> and uh, dad, uh, I think it's getting out of hand uh, with you because you, you, you killed 72 animals last year. And um, um, we're, we're in the ranching business, dad. And uh, th th this is cutting into our profits. So wh wh why do you do that? He said, one day your son's going to ask you. And he said, when he asks you, you say to your son, son, um, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. But we weren't always in the ranching business. We, we did not own animals. We didn't own land. Son, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our increase. Now, this was written 4,000 years ago. And this principle happened to me. Uh, when Josh was kind of getting old enough to understand numbers and all, and he has this mathematical mind like I do and like his grandfather. And so one day I was paying the bills. Now we didn't have online back then. And so what I would do is I would write the check first and then I would set the check, the tithe check, and then I would settle over the side and then I would pay the bills. But I'd always write the tithe check first and set it over the side and then take it with me to church. 
By the way, for you young people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I said oversight. So I'm paying the bills, and Josh came in, and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. And he's reading this tie check, and he sees the amount, which to a, a young boy looks like a lot of money. And he says, Dad, why are you giving so much to the church? And I remember this scripture, when your son asks you, this is what you tell him. And I took Josh and I actually set him on my lap and I said to him, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian son. And daddy was a very bad man. And daddy was in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy and gave us everything we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my increase. This is a principle that's all through Scripture. It's called the principle of first. Is God first in your life? I want to share with you briefly our journey with this. Because it's one thing to hear a message, and as you can see, there's a reason why I share with you. I could teach the same material. I love teaching. You know that. But there's an anointing on his life like no one else I've ever heard in this subject. And I wanted you to experience the fullness of that. When I got saved, I was a lawyer in a large law firm in Boston, making over two and a half times the amount of money we spent. We lived in a nice home in a very affluent community. And God, in His amazing grace, reached in in that law firm and got me saved. I'd never heard of tithing. I was a deacon in our church, and I saw the finances that came in. And our weekly contribution to that church was $5 a week. And we were among the bigger givers. Now, there was endowments for the church. And I got saved, and I don't remember how I heard about tithing, but it shook me to my roots. But it immediately confronted me with a choice I had to make. And I knew it was a critical choice at that point. I couldn't put it off, because if I put it off, I would eventually just dismiss it. And I remember that first Sunday was a fork in the road, because we got paid once a month. And I'm no math genius, but I could figure out what 10% of that was. And I started sweating. My heart started pounding. But I made the decision, we did together, if this is what God's word requires, we're going to obey him. And I remember sitting down to write that check, my hand shook. But it was either be obedient or disobedient, and it was critical. And I wrote that check. And we've tithed ever since then. I want to share with you what that meant. Because I didn't always work in a large law firm making two and a half times what we spent. It wasn't long after that I began to realize, wait a minute, this law firm's not my source. God is my source. 
I work for him. And he provides for me through this law firm. I'm going to prove this. Because what they did is every... Because it was large, they would review their employees' salary, their associate's salary once a year. And we came up for that review time. And I said, God, you're my source. I'm going to ask you for a raise. I'm not going to ask them. This is the amount that I'm asking you for. And it was not an unreasonable amount. The partner came in and sat down with me later on and said, John, we've reviewed you. Uh, You're doing well. And he says, this is the raise we're going to give you. And it was half of what I'd asked God for. I said nothing to them because I didn't work for them. I, but I went back to God and I said, this is nice. I thanked them very much for it. I said, this is, this is nice. Thank you for it. And God, thank you. I'm very grateful for the increase. But this is not what I asked you for. And I'm just going to let it go at that. About a month later, the same partner came back in and he said, I need to talk to you. He said... Uh, we base our salaries for, for our associates on the starting salaries of firms in New York. And he said, we've discovered that the salary we play our starting associates is too low compared to the associates in New York. So we're making an adjustment on that starting salary for associates. I mean, I've been practicing law for 10 years. But because we're changing them, we've got to move everybody else up. So we have to change your, your raise, and we're doubling what it was. It was exactly the amount I asked God for. Now, the reason that became a critical thing for me to know, learn about God, was within a year, God dealt with us to, to leave that law firm and go halfway across the country, pick my family up, move halfway across the country, leave that income and not ever look back with no job there. I could go through the whole story. We got out there on the way out. We got out there and found out that in our later years, she was pregnant unexpectedly and then discovered she was pregnant with twins unexpectedly. We'd get rid of all our children's stuff. We're start, we, you know, we have a... Chris, our oldest son, we have Emily, our next daughter, we have the perfect family, and all of a sudden we find out it's doubling, I have no job, no health insurance, nothing in Bible school. But I didn't panic, because you see, when you tithe and you put God first, he's obligated to put you first. When he's your source, it doesn't matter whether you're at a big job with a big income or you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma without any income. God will provide for you. And he did. I got down to the point where we had nothing for food one week. And I go to the, the, I go to the mailbox on that Saturday morning and I open the mailbox and there's a card in there and a letter from somebody back home saying, hope you're doing well. I just happened to remember you'd borrowed $100 from us a year or so ago, and I forgot to send it. Here's a check for $100, and there's what we needed for the week. The next Saturday, I go to the mailbox, and there's a letter from somebody at home, a card from good friends of ours at home. Just thinking of you, thought maybe this could bless you. There's another check for $100. Whoa, I got this figured out. I go to the mailbox. The next Saturday, open it. There's nothing there. But God opened a job opportunity for me that I found out had been waiting for me for a year, but I was too stubborn to step out and look for it. So I go to the job interview, and it's a lawyer. I'm still working in, I'm still working, still in school. It's my second year of Bible school, and Nita's home taking care of four kids with the help of the two older ones, the twins. And, and she's editing my story. <laughs> and so I go and interview with this lawyer, and because I've been given his name when I first when I left the law firm in Boston, and he said, I've had a job for you for the last, ever since you came out here. And I'm still in school, and so what he basically said is, here's what you can do. Here's some programs you can work on. I'm going to pay you an hourly rate, and here's what I need you to do. And I looked at what he was going to pay me, and it was half of what I needed, or what we needed. So I, I said, thank you very much, but I appreciate it, but I, I think I'm going to continue to look. I get up the next morning, 
and I'm shaving, getting ready to school. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He says, John, why did you turn the job down? I said, well, it, it didn't pay enough. He said, were the hours good? I said, yeah. I mean, I could work from home. I could work, and I'm in school. He said, that's favor, isn't it? I said, I said yeah. I said, did, did you had favor with the guy? I said, oh, yeah, I had favor with the guy. I asked you again, why did you turn the job down? Well, well, God, it doesn't pay enough. He said, do you think I can make up the difference? And I went, oh, my goodness. So I called the lawyer back, and I took the job. But I've never asked for a raise from anybody. I'm not saying it's wrong. I've never done it because I work for God. God is my source. So I never asked this gentleman for a raise. I took what he was paying me. But it got to the point after six months, we were in, getting in trouble. And I'm coming in on a Friday morning, and I, I'm saying, God, I, this has been my principle. I'm not going to ask for a raise, but I can't sacrifice my family anymore for the pride of I've got to hold on to this. So, so Lord, at the end of this day, this was a, fr- a Friday, at the end of this day, I'm going to sit down and ask him for, for a raise. I can still see this. I go in and sit down in my office. I got my cup of coffee. And the senior partner comes in and sits down and closes the door. And he said, John, when you came here, because you were an experienced lawyer, but you're going to Bible, we didn't know what to do with you. So we paid you this amount. But we've come to see over these six months the value that you brought here. So we've decided we're not paying you enough. So I'm going to double your salary to exactly the amount that I'd ask God for. Oh, it gets better. He gets up to leave. I can still see this. He opens the door. He starts to say, oh, excuse me, I forgot something. And he steps back in and he reaches in his pocket and he, this is amazing how God faithful, pulls out an envelope. He says, oh, by the way, here's a check for the difference of what we should have been paying you for these last six months. And walks out. That money has been long, long, long gone. But I'm still experiencing the joy and the power of the faithfulness of God when you put Him first. There were two other times we went through that. I know, I'm aware of the time. Two other times we went through that. And both of them were my stupidity and pride. That's why I didn't bring you up. <laughs> Made some bad decisions, and we literally had no income for a long period of time. And we would get some paradis, some things to pay for our, our housing in. And I was pastoring a small church then. And it got tight again. I can still see where I was driving the car. I said, God, I, this is so tight. And I've been faithful that we've been faithful to tithe, whatever came in. And we've always tithed on the gross because I want everything that comes in blessed. I don't want to be thinking in terms of how little do I have to give God. But I can still sit sitting in that car driving and say, God, this is good. Would it be all right if for a while, Lord, I, I tithe on the net? Would that be all right for a while? And I heard the Lord say to me, this is the hardest thing he could have said to me. He said, son, you do what you want. And I started to weep because the last thing I wanted to do was to hold back any of the tithe. And so we continued to give on the gross. I ended up going back into law. It's a whole story. At a job that they'd already turned me down for. But suddenly an opening, a need opened up. And I had what was needed. So I interview and I go to meet with them and and they, they, they don't know what to do with me either. And, and so they, they come up with a salary, and it's the only opportunity I had, so I took it. That didn't take a lot of discernment. And again, it's about half of what we needed. And Anita went back to work in nursing after 19 years to help with our family. It was, it was difficult. Again, it was bad decisions, prideful decisions that I made that put us in that situation. But we continued to tithe. And again, in the situation where suddenly it's like it's getting the same pressure again. And one of the senior partners comes in, I can still see where he was. I was in the law library and sits me down. He said, John, we didn't know what to do with you. 
So we realize there's more value that you bring here than we thought. So we're doubling your salary. I had that happen. I'm going to shorten this down. I had that happen one other time. So I'm sharing this with you because in my own, we put God to the test. By putting him first, God, and you step out. Because when we did that, when we had nothing, very little coming in, and whatever came in, we gave him the tithe of it. By faith that you were going to provide. And there were times we've had an abundance, and there were times we had almost nothing. But our children never went without. We, God always provided what we needed. And I believe this is important for us to know at this time. Because we're in a time of great uncertainty. We're in a time where inflation is increasing. We're in a time where they don't know what's going to happen. They got Omicron now. That's, I know the Greek alphabet. That's 10, that's 10 Greek letters after Delva. So we don't know what's coming. There's a lot of uncertainty out there in what the world has to provide for us. I've watched major banks that I used to represent disappear overnight. I represented a corporation at one point that was the leading corporation in the world for dental supplies. You, every dental chair you ever sat in was produced by them up until about 10 years ago. I watched them disappear overnight. The things the world provides for us that we put our security in, is, is, it, it can evaporate like that. But God, but God will never go away, will never change. So the whole point of this is if you will put him first in every area of your life, God now takes responsibility for taking care of you. We have a covenant relationship with God, but that covenant requires something of our, on our side. God has given us his first And what God requires of us is that we give Him our first. And as Pastor Robert brings out so clearly, it's never been mine. It's holy. God entrusts that first tenth to you to give you the opportunity to bring it to Him to worship Him. I think in the episode that we skipped, he talks in Malachi... God said, you're robbing me by keeping the tithe. You, you, you rob somebody of something that, they, that belongs to them. A robber comes into your house to steal something that didn't belong to them that belongs to you. He says, give offerings, but you bring the tithe because it's never been yours. So I'm sharing these stories to encourage you. This, no, no. This really works. You're telling me you're short on time. <laughs> this, nev- this really works. Our life is a living example of that. And we have many others. I had a gentleman come over several weeks ago. He had no idea what we were going to teach on. He said, I've got to talk to you. I've been crying for several days. He comes into our house. He's a member of this church for years. Sweet man, a sweet family. He sits down in our, in our sitting room and just crying. He said... He tells the same kind of story. We've gone through times when, when we had nothing. We committed a commitment to tithe. And there were times when this isn't working, but we continued to tithe. There were times when one of us wanted to give up and the other said, no, we've continued to tithe. And he showed how God has faithfully brought them along. And then he just began to weep about how God is blessing their family with prosperity and with blessing in the areas of their lives. So it's not just because I'm a pastor. Because this happened when we weren't pastoring. I was a, if God can do this for a lawyer in downtown Boston, <laughs> He can do it f- for you. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we absorb Your Word and the testimonies, we're trusting the Holy Spirit to take the seed of this word and sow it deep down in our hearts because as we've heard shared so well it is all about our heart that you want 
not because you want to take things from us or hurt us, because you, the more of our heart you have, the more of us you have, the more of you we can have. And Father, we just come to you today. This can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for his work. And now we pray, Father, for anyone that's here, within the, here present or within the sound of our voice that has never received Christ as their Savior, that you would open their heart today to realize they need him in their life. They need this gift, this tithe that God has sown for us. And so help them today to receive this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning or you're watching online, I talked early on about how God is a God of holiness and righteousness. Now God told Israel if they were going to, if they were going to get into heaven and be with God for eternity, they had to do it exactly, they had to be as holy as he was. And he told them what that meant. Well, that's true for us today because Jesus said in the New Testament, be holy as I am holy. And so my question to you today is, do you think you're as holy as God is? Well, if you do, you've just proven you're not. That's the standard God has for heaven. Only holiness, pure holiness, can enter into heaven. But none of us can be holy. And God knows that. So what did he do? He sent to your, his earth, this earth his only begotten son who lived a perfectly holy life for 33 and a half years. And then at the appointed time, God took his holy, righteous son and had him nailed to a cross. It was man's sin that nailed him to that cross. And on that cross, God took his holy, righteous judgment and anger for your sin and my sin And he poured it out on that sinless lamb, that sinless son on that cross to satisfy the demands of his holiness so that God could offer to you and me the forgiveness that if we would receive that, if we would receive the gift of his son, God could attribute to you and me his son's holiness and righteousness. That's the gospel in a nutshell. But you have to receive that gift. It's been offered for everyone. It's been offered for you. But you have to receive that gift. And if you've never done that, I want to help you this morning. I want to help you this morning by praying for you. A very simple prayer. If there's anyone here present that you've never made that decision and you need to make that decision today, I want to pray for you, but I'm going to ask you to let me know by raising your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Anyone at all? All right, online. If you've never asked this Christ into your life, or maybe you have, but you're not living for him anymore. You've wandered away like a lost sheep, and you want to come back today. God's not angry at you. He wants to receive you back but you've got to come to him and you've got to ask him and he will put his arms around you so here's what I want to do let's I want to lead all of us in a prayer very simple prayer those of you that are joining us online you don't need to bow or close your eyes we're just talking to a God who loves you pray this with me all of us Father I come to you in the name of Jesus you know everything I've ever done everything I've ever said everything I ever thought. For whatever does not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now and I put it into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen.
Now, if you're watching online and you prayed that for the first time or you maybe recommitted your life to the Lord, there's a phone number at the bottom of your screen. If you call that number, not tomorrow, the office is closed tomorrow, but on Tuesday morning, someone will answer that phone. We want to send to you some free material so that you have a better understanding of the decision that you've made today and they'd be happy to pray with you if you need prayer. If you're here this morning and you prayed that for the first time, and you were just too shy to raise your hand, if you would come up afterwards and you would see me or see any of the pastors, or maybe to have somebody at, 